0: Okay guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant, Pastor Tom Carter, Word of the All's Ministry. This is Season 2, Episode 47, In Him, Part 2. I want to keep kind of deep diving into the idea of what it means to be in Him. I think it's important that we understand this because I think this can really and should really and does really affect every aspect of our lives. Last week, we looked at the idea that in him, we live and move and have our being. Like there's nothing in our lives that happens apart from God because God is life. Even the, uh, even the, you know, when they had all the different gods and they had a, a, a shrine to the unknown God, even then they were unknowingly including God in their lives. And a lot of times, I think we kind of unknowingly include God in our lives. And I know that God includes himself in our lives, whether we know it or not all of the time. I'm convinced that God protects us from a lot of things that we don't know about a lot of times. And I think that if we were to consciously include him in our lives more, that we would be protected from more. I think he always uh, wants to be that central figure in that central focus in our lives so that his goodness that's already inside of us can come out of us. But this week I want to focus on the idea of a little bit more of like how we got in him. There's this idea in the, like the religious community that we have to do something to be in Christ. Like It's and it's so frustrating because it's the whole idea that the Bible goes against so hard of being saved by our works. Everybody thinks, well, not everybody, but a lot of, you know, like, quote unquote, religious folk seem to think that you have to live a certain way in order to be in Christ, which is not the case at all. Who we are in has nothing to do with what we do and everything to do with who we are. You don't do in order to be, you do because you be, you don't earn a place in him. You do all of the good things that you do because you are already in him. And that's the shift we need to make. That's the mindset we have to have. That's the truth that we need to understand. So we will stop trying to get something we already have, but think we don't have by being somebody we think we aren't, but already are. When you understand who you are, you can stop trying to be somebody you're not. You can embrace who you are, and you can truly and fully be who you are. And that's what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to struggle. He doesn't want us to try to fit into some man-made religious box. He wants us to flow in the river of life. He wants us to live our best lives. He wants us to live his abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life as he lives it in us and through us and as us. So... My main passage I want to read for today, excuse me, is John chapter 12, verses 32 and 33. This is Jesus talking first, he says, And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. And I included that second verse about him uh, saying, this to indicate how he's going to die. Just so we were absolutely positively sure what we were talking about. This was Jesus talking about being lifted up from the earth on the cross. This was Jesus talking about the finished work, the death, burial, and resurrection that he was shortly going to go through. And he was telling us in large part, what it meant. And in large part, what that meant was when Jesus was lifted up from the earth on the cross, he drew us he drew us out of Adam and he drew us into himself. And I believe that from that moment on, and really, honestly, you know, truly in a, in a, in a eternal sense, since the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world and this, the, you know, the cross at Galilee was just the, uh, the fulfillment of it. This has always been true. This was just Jesus kind of activating the truth in us. But when this happened on the cross in fullness, this is when everybody, everybody, all men, were became in him, to my understanding, to my way of thinking. Again, he drew us out of Adam and into himself. He drew us out of darkness and into light. God drew us out of the kingdom of darkness and placed us in the kingdom of his dear son. That's the shift that took place. The old man died in the watery grave of baptism and the new man rose up to walk in newness of life. We were given the gift of Jesus's life, the gift of God, the eternal life, out of the old and into the new, out of Adam and into him. So we are in him. That happened. And it didn't happen by anything we did. In fact, it happened the way that it happened because we couldn't do it, right? We've talked so many times about how God proved his love for us. Jesus proved his love for us by when we couldn't offer him anything, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, when we were yet sinners and had nothing to offer God, that's when he died for us. That's when he gave us everything that he has and everything that he is, because he didn't want anything from us. He wanted us to have what he had. He wanted us to be who he is. He wanted us to know ourselves as we truly are and to know him as he truly is. You know, again, in that, I think the best picture, uh, the the father-son picture, our heavenly father and his beloved son in whom he is well-pleased. That's what Jesus came to show us. He came to show us who the father is and who we are in the context of being the father's son. And he did that by drawing himself, by drawing us all, everyone into himself. Because when he drew us into himself, he also planted himself in us, the incorruptible seed. So that's kind of my focus for today. That's what I'm really going to try to pin down on is this idea of the drawing. And, you know, again, We have this idea of well what do i have to do to be in christ nothing he drew you into himself he did the drawing he did the heavy lifting he finished the work it's not about what you do it's about what jesus did and it's about what jesus did for you and as you because his death was our death we are crucified with christ when he drew us into himself when he was on the cross He drew us out of Adam and into himself. From that point on, we didn't identify with the old man anymore. We identified with the new man, Jesus. And from that point on, what happened to him happened to us. So when he died, we died. And when he rose again, we rose again. And his life is now our life. That's what we have right now. It's not something we hope to get someday. It's what we have right now. It's not something we can earn. It was a gift that was given. And we didn't do anything for it. He chose to give it to us. And he drew us into himself, which Jesus said a couple of chapters earlier in John chapter six, verse 44, when he said, for no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. Guys, we have to understand this. It's okay. The, the, I think the best way I can say it is Jesus made the way of grace. And we respond to that with the walk of faith. It's not something that comes from us. It's not something that we do. I mean, I think at most, God has placed a cry in our heart for something different and something better. All throughout the Old Testament, uh, when it records King David's life, and in a lot of the Psalms, he talks about the cry of his heart is to just to know God more, to to be more God-like, to be more, you know, to be closer to Him. And that's why the Bible even identifies as David as a man after God's own heart, which I've heard a lot of people kind of be confused about because they're like, David wasn't really a man after God's own heart. He made war and he was an adulterer and he murdered a guy so he could get his wife and all this different stuff. But to me, the idea of David being a man after God's own heart, it doesn't mean that he had it. It means he was after it. He wanted it. He pursued it. He knew that he that there was a more excellent way out there. And he knew that it was God. He knew that it was love. And even in his murder, which was wrong, and even in his adultery, which was wrong, and even, you know, his machinations to get the the other dude's wife, like, he did it for love. And I'm not saying it was right. I'm just saying David's heart was full of love even when he got twisted around, even when he got messed up. And I'm not excusing his actions. I'm just simply saying love doesn't have a motivation. Love is the motivation. So even in an imperfect world, even in an imperfect person who was after God's own heart, but clearly didn't have it. He was still motivated by love. That's what I'm trying to say about David. But what I'm trying to say about all of us is that no one can come to the father unless they're drawn. He draws us to himself. He puts that inside of us. He puts that, uh, you know, the Bible talks in another place that it's the power of God working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. The will comes from him and the power to do comes from him. Like we don't just have these like these God ideas. We know, Those don't come from us. That comes from the mind of Christ that's in us. That comes from him. And it comes from inside of us because he lives inside of us. It comes from the heart because it's God's heart beating with love in our chest. But this idea that we have to like, you know, earn our place or 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 earn being in him or, you know, earn, uh, what he has for us. That's nonsense. That's not how it works. That's not how an inheritance works. And that's not how a gift works. Neither one of those things can be earned, right? You are handed down an inheritance because of who you are in relationship to the person who dies and leaves you the inheritance. And you're given a gift based on what the giver wants you to have. And neither one of those things have anything to do with you doing anything or with you earning anything. It's There's a drawing, okay? The, it's the deep calling out to the deep. It's the light in me connecting to the light in you. And that's how we're drawn to each other. And that's how God draws us to himself. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, And again, repentance, you know, the Bible talks about a lot of repentance, but one of the biggest ideas of repentance is repenting from dead works. Dead works is trying to earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. Dead works is bringing God a sacrifice like Cain did of what you can produce from the ground. Those are dead works. That's not what God wants. God does not want works and labor, spiritually speaking. Works and labor don't work. What God wants is the sacrifice that Abel brought, which is the lamb. That's the only thing God's ever wanted. That's the only thing God will accept. And that's why, in the beginning, we were created in the image and likeness of God. But then on the cross, when Jesus was lifted up from the earth and He drew us all into Himself, at that time we were already made in God's image. But on the cross, we were conformed to the image of God's only Son. That confirmation or that conforming is what allows us to know who we are, and in knowing who we are, be who we are. And the way that we know who we are is by knowing him. And the way that we know him is because he reveals himself to us. He draws himself to us, and he shows himself to us. Look at Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 4, in the King James Version. It says, Draw me, we will run after thee. The king hath brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. The upright love thee. And the thing that's so cool to me about this verse is it says, draw me, we will run after thee. Jesus draws us and then he runs with us to make sure that we get where we're going. It's so amazing. It's so awesome. The heavy lifting that Jesus did, he paid it all. He did it all. Everything that needed to happen to fulfill the old covenant, to put away the old and bring forth the new, Jesus did it all. He paid it all. He cried out from the cross, it is finished. And he also cried out from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We didn't even ask for forgiveness, and God gave it to us anyway. He gave it to us because he loves Jesus and because he loves us. Full stop. I mean, honestly, do you think Jesus cried out to his heavenly father for for God to forgive us? And God was like, "Nah, I don't think I will. Or do you think God answered that prayer and and did what Jesus asked? Of course he answered that prayer and did what Jesus asked because they're the same. It's one mind. It's the mind of Christ. It's the heart of God. The heart of God is forgiveness. The heart of God is mercy. The heart of God is grace. The heart of God is love. The heart of God is faith. These are all of the things, not just that we have, but these are all of the things that we are in him because these are the things that he is, And he drew us into himself and planted himself in us. He draws us and then he runs with us. It says, the king hath brought me into his chambers. At best, we probably saw the king's chambers and saw how nice it was in there and probably maybe wanted to get in there if we didn't think we could do it better on our own. Remember the story of the prodigal son? who he wanted his inheritance before his father would even had even died basically saying i would rather you be dead to me so i could get the stuff that you're going to leave me than have a relationship with you which is which is just awful but the father he still gave the son what he wanted he said you can have it here's your inheritance that the you know the son thought he could make his way on his own the thought the son thought well if daddy sets me up i'll be good to go i'll be okay and he wasn't he squandered his inheritance and he ended up in some real bad conditions. And then he thought to himself, well, you know, daddy's house wasn't so bad. Maybe if I go back, I can work there. Then at least I won't be out here in the cold, hard world. And I think sometimes, you know, sometimes that's what it takes to to, to get us to look at it, to see that the king's chamber is the place to be, to see that it's nice in there, to see that it's, you know, that's, like I said, that's the place to be. But what we don't understand is that the king hath brought me into his chambers. We're not just standing at, at, at the door knocking and hoping that he'll let us in if we're good enough, if we impress him enough, if we do enough, if we earn our spot. No, he brought us in there because he wants us in there. He drew us to himself. He made it so attractive that we would come to him and then he would be able, again, like the prodigal son, he would be able to run out to us and to embrace us, and to bring us back into the fold, and say, my son who is dead is now alive. Full restoration. He put his own ring on his kid's finger. He put his own, you know, cloak on his kid's back, and he said, it's like you were never gone. I never stopped loving you. I'm not upset about what you did, or the bad choices you made. Hopefully, you've learned from them. I got you back no matter what, because of my love for you. And that's a big part, of this understanding that we need to have is that God will never leave us nor forsake us. He wants us. He's not mad at us. He's mad about us. He's head over heels in love with us to the point that he would give anything, including his very own life, so that we could have that life. He wants us to have it more than he wants to have it. And he wants us to have it so much that not only did he give it to us, not only did he die so that we could die, but he rose again to life so that we could live. He doesn't want us to miss out on anything that he has for us. So he's living his own life to the fullest in us and through us and as us. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He wants us to have that abundant life. And the thing that makes life abundant is love. It's a life of love. If you have love in your life, you you have the abundant life. You're experiencing it right now, the days of heaven on earth. And uh, so many people miss out on it because they're trying to get something they think they haven't got. And they become the thief who comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. They rob themselves of the gift they've been given by trying to earn something that can't be earned. And to me, that's tragic. That's so sad to me. So let me read my... Uh, I have one more passage and then one more memory verse. I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And uh, the heading in the Bible I'm reading from says, a call to persevere. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Do you guys get it yet? Through the cross, when he was lifted up from the earth, he drew us all in, Now we can boldly enter. He brought us into the most holy place and now we can enter there anytime we want. We can come boldly to the throne of grace to find grace in time of need. He opened the door for us. He made the way for us. And not only did he make the way for us, but he is the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And isn't that interesting? It's a because again, I'm going to read John six forty four real quick. Jesus said, for no man can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them. And then, you know, in a different place, he said, no man comes to the father, but by me. So it's this idea of the drawing. No, no man can experience this love unless love draws them. Even if you somehow get an idea of what love is and and, and wanting love, you can't find it by looking for love in all the wrong places. You have to go to the source. And the only way you can go to the source is if you're drawn to it, because that kind of love, agape love, sacrificial love, God love, it seems like it's too good to be true. It doesn't make any sense. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It's too radical. It's too big for somebody to die for you when you're at your worst. That's love. And that kind of love, like it's mind boggling. It's, 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 it's radical. It's too big. We will never understand the fullness of his love because it's beyond comprehension. And our whole life, the whole point of our whole life is to test the height and breadth and length and depth of that love by loving each other as big and as hard and as high and as deep as we can. That's how we test God's love for us. He loves us and we love him back by loving each other. So the emphasis is on him. He draws us, and then we, him, himself, and us, we, run together to the one who has drawn us. He not only draws us, but he helps us get there. Again, he it's the power both to will and to do. The will comes from him, and the ability to do comes from him. He draws us, and he runs with us. He drew us into himself. That's why we're in him. It's a better everything. It's a more excellent way that he has shown to us. It's the way of grace, and we respond with the walk of faith, simply by believing. And the reason that we can believe is because he's given us something to believe in. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. The Word of God is Jesus. The Word of God is love. He shows us his love, and then we are able to have faith in that love. So let me finish this passage. I'll start over from verse 19. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. We can go right in because he drew us in. Like, it's that simple to me. Like, the way is made. The way is open. He rent the, the, the curtain that kept people out of the most holy place from top to bottom, showing that it wasn't man's efforts down at the bottom trying to rip it up, but it was God coming down from the top. He came down to where we are and lifted us up to where he is. He drew us all into himself. He sprinkled us and made us clean with the pure water, the water of the word, the water of his love. That's why we're clean. When Jesus, you know, bent down and cleaned the disciples' feet, uh, one of them, I I can't remember who right now, I think it was Peter, said, you're not going to wash me, Lord. And he said, well, if I don't, you don't have any part of me. And then I think it was Peter said, well, then wash my head and my hands too. And Jesus said, no, I just need to wash your feet. And I think that's because your feet are what touch the ground, you know, the the earth, and that's where heaven and earth meet. That's where the rubber meets the road. When we have clean feet, the Bible talks about, you know, Uh, blessed are the beautiful feet of those who deliver good news, something like that. That's a paraphrase, but it's close enough. Like bringing good news, the good news of the gospel, the good news that God loves us. That's what this life is about, sharing that love from one to another. It's not about judging people. It's not about thinking you're up on your high horse wearing your white wig, that you're better than people, that, oh, I would never say that. Oh, I would never do that. It's just about loving people and embracing people. It's just about giving people what you have because that's the way that things are going to get better. I wholeheartedly believe that if you can make somebody smile in this life, you should do it because the world needs more of that. We need more light. We need more life. We need more love. So verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise that's powerful. if God promises it he can be trusted to keep his promise let all you know let God be true and every man a liar. Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever. if he says it it's true and 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 the reason for that is like like even if God said, well the sky is purple. That would still be true because him saying that would make the sky be purple. Whatever he says, it's not true because he only says things that are already true. It's true because whatever he says is the truth. He speaks creation, he speaks life, he speaks truth into the world. So, verse 24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. When you love somebody, it's like a snowball. It's like a snowball rolling down a hill that gets bigger and bigger as it goes. And it grows and it grows. It's like a Holy Ghost wildfire that you can't put out and you can't stop. Uh, What was that movie? Uh, Pay It Forward or whatever it was. You know, one small good deed can change somebody's entire life. Because if you're having a horrible day and something unexpectedly good happens to you, all of a sudden, maybe you're not having a horrible day anymore. Maybe all of a sudden now there's a, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Now, all of a sudden you can take that good feeling and you can spread that wherever you're at and you can have, you can help somebody else have a good day and on and on and on it goes. But because we can hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, because we know that God is trustworthy, that's when we can start to think of ways to motivate one another. When we can stop worrying about ourselves, we can start to look at the needs of others and that's really a big point of this whole thing is taking care of each other and the best part of it is is that if I'm taking care of you and you're taking care of me neither one of us needs to take care of ourselves because we're both covered we don't have to worry about it you don't have to you know knock somebody down so that you're higher than them or climb over somebody else so that you're higher than them you don't have to worry about uh you know what you don't have or what you need Jesus spoke at length about that. He said, look at the flowers. They don't spin. They don't work. They don't do anything. Look how God takes care of them. If he cares about them that much, how much more do you think he cares about you? Guys, we are God's favorite creation. We are the apple of his eye. We were created in his image. Out of everything in all of creation, he made us like him. And because he made us like him, and because he drew us into him, we can experience that God life. We can experience that life of love, but it's a life of service. That's the key. we, We need to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. It's hard sometimes when you feel like you're by yourself. It's hard sometimes when you feel like you're pouring everything you have and everything you are into a black hole and you're not getting anything out of it. It's draining. But if you have people to encourage you, if you have people to connect with, if you're building relationships built on mutual trust and respect and love, those kind of things will sustain you. Those kind of things will help you to hold tightly without wavering. It's God holding us up as we hold each other. See how that all works? And and, and again, I know that we we cling to him sometimes, but a better understanding is to know that he's clinging to us. Even if you slip and let go, he's not going to let go of you. He's not going to slip. So I've been, you know, I've mentioned a lot about the way of grace and the walk of faith, and that's where I want to end tonight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 of the King James Version, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. This is so important. It's so important that we don't let our circumstances or the things around us affect what's going on inside of us. It's the difference between being a thermometer and a thermostat. A thermometer takes the temperature of the room, while a thermostat sets the temperature in the room. If you're just constantly taking the temperature, if you're just constantly letting what's going on around you affect you, if you're just constantly being pulled by every wind of doctrine, you're going to be unstable in all your ways. It's like the double-minded man in the book of James. But if you know that the fire in you is always hotter than the fire you're in, Then you can be like the three Hebrew boys in uh, Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace, and you can come out of that situation smelling like a rose. You can come out of the fiery furnace with nothing burnt except the bonds that were holding you. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to lead victorious lives. He wants us to lead successful lives. He wants us to lead lives of abundance. Again, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He wants us to have the best quality of life that we can have which again, I'm going to keep saying it until somebody hears and believes it. The best quality of life we can have, an abundant life, is a life of love. Love is what makes the abundant life abundant. So we walk by faith and not by sight. We respond to the way of grace with the walk of faith. He draws us and then we, me and him and you, we run to him. It's the drawing that comes first. We love because he first loved us. Everything starts with him and everything flows from him. We are in him because he drew us into him. That's what it means to be in him. That's how we got there. And I think next week we're going to really start to look at what it means to operate from that place of rest, to operate from that place of being in him. If we can stop trying to get in him when we already are in him, then we can start to see what that means. And we can start to live that way, uh, you know, with every move we make and every breath we take. So we're definitely going to continue this series again next week. Uh, And we're, we're getting pretty close to, uh, to the end of season two. But I do want to continue to dive into this. And then I have something a little bit special for the last episode of, the, of season two. So stick around for that, guys. And, uh, and we'll see you next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, JesusRant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the, my books that are written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by, uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it, and you can su- you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it, and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it to uh, to help me to get the word out. Which you know, as we know by now, is is my heart is just getting this word out, word without walls ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.